This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That is Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5. Guys, we got a little bit of a bonus episode because you're like, wait a minute, we got the forging table and then we got two back-to-back interviews. What's this, Kyle? Well, I, I told you. This is, this is what I get to do. I can just surprise you whenever I feel like there's something extra special I want to talk about because I was kind of looking at the, the release schedule and I was like, okay, we got a lot of interviews coming up. And so what I wanted to talk about today, I wanted to get out there so that we can move on from other stuff. But guys, if you have not left a review for this show, this is what I'm going to do. This might seem a little bit ridiculous, but someone's like, Kyle, I don't know how to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And they're like my age. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to walk you through it. So if you've done this before, just go ahead and skip ahead of this part, you know, hit your little skip ahead button. But to all of you that have an iPhone, that listen to me on Apple Podcasts, which is most of you. I want you to go to the podcast app. Okay, I'm not going to show you everything, but click on the podcast app. Then I want you to go down to library at the bottom. And then I want you to go to shows, because hopefully you're subscribed to this. If not, you'll have to search for it. But you go to shows. Then you go to our podcast here. And then you scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. And then you'll get to this section that says ratings and reviews. I don't know if you can see that if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble. Ratings and reviews. And then there's a button that says see all. It's probably going to be in purple. Hit see all. And then right there in the middle, it says tap to rate. And then right below it, write a review. Okay. So if you have not done that yet and you would like to leave us a five-star review, please do that on Apple Podcasts. It's even easier on Spotify. Just open up the Spotify app, go to your library, go to this show, and then right there underneath the the main uh, like description of the show, there's literally like a stars indicator. I don't know if you can see that, but there's a stars indicator. Click on that click five stars, and then move on. We are so appreciative that you guys would want us uh, to give us a good review so that we can get this content out to more people. Again, just want to remind you that we are a donation-based ministry. So if you guys would like to hop on board and be part of the fuel that keeps this rocket going, go to undaunted.life backslash donate. That will be in the show notes. Also, we are partnered with Origin Maine. So guys, I've talked about them a lot. Work boots, jeans, hoodies, great hoodies, hunting gear, the best jujitsu geese in the game on the Jocko Fuel side. They've got Jocko Go. They've got creatine. They've got protein. They've got all kinds of stuff. Use the promo code UNDAUNTED at checkout so you guys can check that out and check out their products at a 10% discount. Use the UNDAUNTED promo code at checkout. And as I pop into throat lozenge, I just want to thank you for all of you guys that have sent me messages and emails and phone calls and whatever over the last week or so whenever I ask for prayers for my voice and for my throat. So my voice in my throat is a little bit better this week, but as with most things, I mean, this is a very much so an up or down thing, and I've had more struggles with it here recently than I've ever had. And so again, I've got uh, some appointments coming up with some doctors to try and see what I can uh, figure out and all that. But I just wanted to let you guys know that I really, really appreciate the prayers. Now, we're not going to do any quick hitters today because there's really one thing that I wanted to talk about today. But before I get there, I got to address some more stuff on the pit bull issue. Okay. So again, back on episode 377 of this podcast, start around the 49 minute mark. I give you a full long breakdown as to why I don't think people should be able to own that breed. Some statistics that you're probably not aware of, but I was stirring the pot again on social media because uh, there was a post about the seven-year-old girl that was mauled to death by a pit bull. I posted it online. People were freaking out, blah, blah, blah. And then also this was just a few days ago. Let me actually uh, look and see what I, uh, If I have it here, I may have put it here in the show notes, but Fox News did a story about a boy. Let me actually read the headline if I can find it. 
This is what whenever whenever you don't plan these things and you just try to do it live. Okay, here we go. Georgia boy, 11, pulled from bike and attacked by loose pit bulls, loses part of ear and most of his scalp. Okay, so I'm actually going to show some pictures of him on the screen here. And I probably, uh, if you're watching on Rumble or YouTube, you've seen it. But we just got this this normal looking boy. And then when you go to the next picture, it, it most of his scalp is missing. Right. He's in a hospital room. There's a quote there from his mother that, you know, he's never going to be the same. Uh, and here's the kind of this final picture of him with his head all wrapped up. I mean, the kid is absolutely alive by the grace of God. There's no other reason why this kid was able to survive. And so I posted that on our social media. And then here come all the pit bull people. Like I've told y'all before. I can talk about anything. I can talk about abortion. I can talk about illegal immigration, pedophilia, LGBTQ. I can talk about everything and I will never get more hate and more Kyle, you're wrong and more Kyle, I'm, I'm unfollowing you and I'm mad and all these different things than when I talk about pit bulls. Okay. Now, as a quick side note, I don't think that you should operate in this world dismissing people because they disagree with you about one thing. So I had a guy that literally left me a message. I can't remember. Uh, I think it was on Instagram. He goes, yeah, I found you like four or five days ago and I've really been enjoying your stuff until I found out what you thought about pit bulls. Now I'm unfollowing you, which how much of a narcissist do you have to be to think that you need to let me know that you no longer want to follow my stuff? Just leave, like just, just hit the unfollow button and move on with your life. But you're such a narcissist. You want the entire world to revolve around you and your opinions. You had to let me know. So I guess I really appreciate you letting me know. But uh, about a week before that, and this is not related to the Pitbull stuff, I got an email from a guy that was asking me a question about Jordan Peterson. And he's like, hey, Jordan Peterson thinks this about this particular subject. I mean, what do you think about that? Because you talk about Jordan Peterson a lot. I don't think that you should dismiss people if they disagree with you on one thing. Even if the one thing is whether or not Jesus was divine. Like you don't just dismiss someone outright because they disagree with you. Okay. So that's a side note. So in the last week or so, well, I guess just in general, since I've started talking about this, I have yet to hear a single compelling argument as to why pit bulls should still be allowed to exist in the United States. But I did hear some new arguments in the last week that I'd never heard before. So real quick, before we get into the main thing that I want to talk about today, and really the only thing I want to talk about today, I'm going to dispense with these new pit bull arguments, I guess, to, you know, add to my backlog of arguments against the ownership of this breed. And then I'll leave it there, you know, probably until another child or elderly person is mauled to death by one of these wild animals, which I'm recording this on a Sunday. It's releasing on a Thursday. So in the meantime, statistically speaking, that's likely going to happen before you guys hear this. But here are the new arguments, some of the new arguments that I heard. One of them is you can't really trust the data on dog attacks anyway. So my response to that is if you're going to question the data, which you should, you know, should always question the data. You have to be the one to provide a compelling reason why we should dismiss it. You can't just wave your hand over the situation and be like, well, well, you, you just can't trust this data anyway. It's like, well, do we have a reason to not trust the data? Because if you can't provide me with a reason, I'm just going to go with what the data say. Okay. Also, even if the data are wrong by 50%, isn't it still a problem? Like if literally like they doubled the amount of people supposedly killed by these animals, if it was half that, isn't it still a problem? Because I think it is. Another argument that I heard is you can't even really tell what a pit bull terrier or what is a pit bull terrier and what is a mix, right? Like you, you say pit bull, but you know, that's a, that's a, a wide ranging uh, topic. And there, there's a lot of different animals. And you know, the original pit bull terrier was, you know, 30 or 40 pounds. And, and then they bred it with this to, to get this type of ear. They bred it with that to get it to where it'd be this particular color and all that. My response to that is, I'm totally fine with a much larger macro category of pit bull and pit bull mixes because the overwhelming majority of the attacks that I'm talking about 
are perpetrated by dogs that have at least some pit bull terrier in them. There's no other magical mix of dog where you put in a drop or a lot of another different breed into that mixture and it creates a killing machine. It doesn't exist. So I'm fine with the broader category. So saying, oh, we don't really know what that is. Okay, let's take anything that even, you know, tangentially has pit bull in it. I'll take it. Another one I heard is even if the attacks don't seem provoked, because I always talk about unprovoked attacks, even if they don't seem provoked, a trained observer can spot that a provocation actually occurred. So this, in some ways, is a recycled version of the there's no such thing as a bad dog, just bad owners argument. So it's an argument that puts total responsibility for the attack on the humans involved and none whatsoever on the animal. Okay, so it's just a recycled version of that. So my response to that would be, I don't think it's even anecdotally true because how many of these stories that we talk about are just kids playing outside or an elderly person simply existing inside a home somewhere? I mean, how many stories do you hear about someone throwing rocks at a pit or, you know, poking one with a stick and then it attacks them, right? And, and I guess if you were to say that, like, oh, there actually were provocations or, you know, the people just didn't know it. No one in the entire situation knew that the dog was provoked. This provides all the more reason to ban the breed. I mean, if it takes a highly trained dog behaviorist to tell when a pit bull or pit bull mix is agitated so much that it's going to decide to decapitate a child, this just provides even more reason to suggest that the breed should not be owned by the general public as a pet. Okay? But now there's a few more here. And again, I want to kind of put this stuff to bed, but we're getting into some, some more now where the rubber really starts to meet the road that the people uh, that said these were very, very pleased with their arguments, but they clearly can't see the gaping holes in their logic. So one of them was something like this. It's owning a pit bull is just like owning horses or pools or ladders. These are all different examples. I heard you have the right to own a horse pool or ladder, but according to your logic, we should ban them because they could kill people. And way more people die from horses, pools, and ladders every year anyway. So there are so many problems with this particular argument. So here, let's kind of take them one by one. Yes, there are discrepancies in dog-related fatalities and others, other ways to die. Okay, so there are, you know, roughly, because I just did quick searches on these, there's roughly about 700 people uh, that die from accidents uh, on horses a year, about 4,000 people drown overall. So that's not just people drowning in pools, this is drowning in lakes or the ocean, but around 4,000 people a year uh, drown, and then around 100 people a year die from falling off ladders, okay? But pointing out that the people die in higher numbers in other ways, other than dog attacks, doesn't do anything to erase the occurrences where people are dying in ways that represent a smaller proportion of all-cause mortality. As an example, dog attacks. It doesn't eradicate those. You're just pointing out the obvious. Like, imagine me saying, well, and I'm completely making these numbers up because I don't know. Well, uh, I know that 10,000 people a year die from, you know, leukemia, but 50,000 people a year die from lymphoma. So does that mean we're not supposed to care about leukemia. Again, I'm just making those numbers up, but because five times the number of people die because of something else means that we don't look at these other things. That's pretty silly. But also there are two categorical differences here that the person that said this argument didn't really understand. And the first is there's a categorical difference between inanimate objects and animate objects. So inanimate objects like pools or ladders versus animate objects like horses. Okay. Pools and ladders can't literally grab you and, you know, you know, a pool can't grab you and hold you under until you drown. 
right? A ladder isn't, you know, grabbing you and throwing you off the top of it, right? Because they're inanimate objects. They, they don't do anything unless we do something with them, right? Or I guess unless nature, like a tornado picks it up and throws a ladder at you, I guess you could die that way. But then there are animate objects like horses or dogs, like they have choice in the matter of what they're going to do with their bodies, at least to a degree. And the second categorical difference is death by accident versus death by attack. So when around 700 people a year die in horse-related deaths, these horses are not running them down, grabbing them by the throat, and suffocating them to death, or scalping them, or decapitating them. These are people that are riding horses, and either by a mistake of their own or something happened with the horse got spooked, they get bucked off and they die. Unfortunately, it's, it's a gruesome way to die, I would say, but it's an accident. The horse did not mean to kill the person, right? But when a pit bull kills someone, that's exactly what it's intending to do. People are like, oh, you can't read intent into an animal. Can't you? Animals, to a degree, are a lot easier to understand because they don't have awareness inside their souls. Like a pit bull that just mauled a child to death is not going to, you know, go to bed that night and really think, oh, gosh, I killed another kid. Dadgummit. Dang it. I thought it was going to be better than that. You know, the lion that kills a baby zebra isn't like, gosh, you know, I was just really hungry and I had a moment of weakness. No, they're just existing because they're an animal. And I think a pit bull is much closer to a wild animal than it is to a household pet. And then on, on that argument as well, you can't bubble wrap the entire world, right? So when people are like, oh, should we just get rid of everything that could potentially kill people? But again, there's a categorical difference between a person losing their balance and falling off a ladder and a person being mauled to death by an animal that we've been duped into believing is a household pet, okay? Two more arguments that I've heard. One of them is we either have a constitutional republic based on complete liberty and freedom, or we don't. We either have ownership rights or we don't, right? So this person's like, ah, you know, I'm going to bust out the constitution and give you a little bit of a lesson. But this is a really silly argument because the moment you enact laws as a society, you no longer have complete freedom and liberty because you could be the most libertarian person on the planet, but you're probably not going to ever advocate for murder. And say, well, uh, I have liberty and freedom and autonomy, so I should just be able to kill whoever I want. Like, nobody's down with that. So we all agree as a society, every society, every, you know, government, you know, every governing body, right? They all come up with laws. Well, I guess all of us do. We advocate for and enact laws as a society that protect our society, protect the people within that society, and provide for human flourishing. We do it all the time. Why do we have speed limits inside residential areas? Because the potential for uh, death or destruction of the people living in that society like, is high if someone's driving 75 miles an hour down your residential neighborhood street, right? And we all societally, to a degree, we, we agree on those things. We think these are reasonable things. Yes, would I like to be able to drive 100 miles an hour on the highway? Yes. The reason why we put a speed limit there is to try and have some level of human flourishing while also understanding that people got to get stuff done. We can't go back to horse and buggy. Not now. Not everyone's going to travel around on a bicycle. We need vehicles. Okay. But again, we advocate for and enact laws as a society that protect our society as a whole, protect the people within that society and provide for human flourishing. So there's one more argument here. And now this was the worst and most egregious argument. Okay. If for no other reason, because of how extreme it is. So it went something like this. Talking to me. 
If you're not willing to be the one killing the pit bulls with your own hands or going into a person's house to confiscate their pit bull at gunpoint, then you're full of crap and you need to shut up. So I can see the passion behind this argument, but the argument has no grounding in reality. And I mean no grounding in reality whatsoever. Because you can advocate for a law and then also not be part of the enforcement mechanism. Okay? So, so let's go back to the, the speeding in the neighborhood example. Like, let's say there's an old lady. She's 90 years old and she goes for walks every day in her neighborhood. And she notices on this long stretch of road in her neighborhood that people are driving really, really fast. And she surmises that, look, if we put a stop sign at 11th Street and whatever boulevard, that's going to make people, you know, stop and slow down. And it'll be safer for me. It'll be safer for the kids in the neighborhood, all that. So she advocates for that. She goes to her HOA. HOA is like, yeah, I think this is a fantastic idea. HOA goes to the city, uh, you know, the, the city meeting or whatever. And they say, this is what we want to do. And this local magistrates are like, yep, we agree with you. We're going to go ahead and put in a stop sign there. The city will pay for it. Or I guess the taxpayers will pay for it. And then they do that. Now, according to this person's logic, because this woman advocated for it, and because she agreed with the stop sign going in in the first place, she should be the one enforcing the law. So we're going to put this woman in a cruiser. And if anybody runs that stop sign, this nine-year-old grandma is going to be the one responsible for pulling these people over and potentially getting into a kinetic situation with them because that's what happens every time police have an interaction with the populace. There's the potential for it to go crazy, right? Think about how stupid that is. Think about how dumb that is. Well, you better be the one to go and do it. Why? That's not my job. Well, you're advocating for it, so you want someone else to go and do it? Well, that's the job they signed up for. So when you sign up to be a police officer, you are signing up to enforce the laws of that municipality or of that state or whatever agency that you represent. That's your job. Like, imagine me, because I grew up in, in a town that had a lot of gang violence, and imagine me now living in Edmond, Oklahoma, right outside of Oklahoma City, me advocating for uh, gang-related violence uh, to stop and the crimes to stop and all that. Does that mean that I need to quit my job running Undaunted Life and join the gang unit at OKCPD? Is that now my job because I'm advocating for it, because I agree with it? But that's not how we do those things. There are people that put forth the laws and advocate for the laws and do the things to try and get those laws on the books. And then there are the local magistrates that can do that or not do that. Potentially, the local populace could have a vote as to, yes, we're going to do this or no, we're not going to do this. But that is not then the local populace's job to enforce it. It is the law enforcement mechanisms that are in charge of doing those things. So again, I know to some of you, this is just like in one ear, out the other with this pit bull stuff. But I was just, I was actually surprised and shocked that I heard new arguments this week because for years and years, I've heard the same tired argument, tired arguments. And most of them are some form of, yeah, it's not the dog's fault. It's people's fault or something like that. But there, I just wanted to kind of put that there. Hopefully we won't have to talk about pit bulls for a while, but unfortunately they're still going to be killing people here in the United States of America. So what can you do? All right, but let's move on to what I really wanted to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about this new category that people were made aware of here recently. Okay. So as soon as the first session of the 118th Congress officially began here, you know, recently within the last week, newly in the majority Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives put forth a bill called H.R. 26. So you probably heard it as the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. So I'm actually going to read from the bill here because it's very, very important. This is the actual language of the bill. This is what the bill would do. Number one. 
If an abortion results in the live birth of an infant, the infant is a legal person for all purposes under the laws of the United States and entitled to all the protections of such laws. And then number two, any infant born alive after an abortion or within a hospital, clinic, or other facility has the same claim to the protection of the law that would arise for any newborn or for any person who comes to a hospital, clinic, or other facility for screening and treatment or otherwise becomes a patient within its care. So that's what this does. Okay? So I don't understand how you could vote against something like that because this baby was targeted for destruction and thank God the... Uh, the medical professionals in that room, the, the paid assassins were not good enough at their jobs that instead of killing the baby, the baby was actually delivered. Now it's existing outside the womb, outside the magical, you know, vaginal canal, which a lot of these people think confers personhood. And now it's alive. And as opposed to just watching it sit there and struggle and die, you, as someone who took the Hippocratic Oath as a doctor or any of the other ancillary staff members, your job now is to protect that human life because it has rights. Okay. Now, I think they have rights from the moment of conception, but now we're, we're outside of all these other different realms. That's all this bill was trying to do. It's been brought up a lot, and it's always been defeated. So, as with all bills that are brought before Congress, there can be, you know, comments from the people that are, that are made that are in Congress. Most of them aren't worth watching. But there was one in particular on this bill that caught my attention and really, frankly, caught the attention of a lot of people. And it was these comments by Representative Hillary Hillary. Shulton, okay, I think that's how you say her last name, Hillary Shulton. She's a Democrat newly elected from Michigan. Here's what she said before Congress in opposition to H.R. 26. Court of parental and maternal rights and in opposition to H.R. 26. I'm the first mother in history to represent West Michigan in Congress. This matter is deeply personal to me. I recently shared publicly about my own experience navigating a complex miscarriage and the loss of my daughter. As a pro-choice Christian who chose life, this issue is so personal to me. My faith informs my actions, but it doesn't dictate the policy of an entire nation. And further, when I read the scripture, I turn to passages, and I'm guided by passages like Jeremiah 1, verses 5, which states, I knew you before I formed you, and I placed you in your mother's womb. It doesn't say the government's womb or the speaker's womb. It says the mother's womb. I believe life is precious, but I reject the idea that if I embrace the sanctity of life, I also must be forced to invite the federal government in to regulate it. We must protect families from unnecessary government intrusion into the most sacred and personal decisions of our the lives and our children's expired. lives. Thank okay, so just a few things I need to point out here. At the beginning, she mentions that she's the first mother in history to represent West Michigan. Okay, so good for you. So I guess that makes her especially qualified to advocate for infanticide. Like, <clears throat> what exactly is the point of pointing that out? And also, she mentions losing her daughter in a miscarriage which, yes, is truly tragic. And as I've talked about on this show, that is something that has befallen a lot of people, including my wife. We lost two children before we had James. Okay, so technically we have four kids. Two of them are here with us, and two of them we never got to meet. Very, very tragic. I feel terrible for her that, that she had to deal with that. But that literally has nothing at all to do with this bill. At all. There is no moral or physical equivalence to a miscarriage and an attempted murder of an unborn child that leads to the murder of that child after the first murder attempt didn't go according to plan. 
because that's what we're talking about. So I don't know what you're talking about. You only have a minute to address Congress and you wasted like a quarter of that being a moron. But the key quote here from her is this, as a pro-choice Christian who chose life, this issue is so personal to me. My faith informs my actions, but it doesn't dictate the policy of an entire nation. So guys, this is her convoluted way of arguing that you can't legislate morality, right? You hear that from people all the time. It's usually people that are atheistic or leftist telling that to people that are evangelical or conservative or right-wing or something like that. You can't legislate your morality. But what these people don't understand and what really most people don't understand is all legislation is an enactment of someone's morality. Because that's how laws work. You advocate for something that you think is better for the general populace. Go back to when I was talking about it with pit bulls. You want to protect the society, the people within the society, and you want to lead to human flourishing. That's what laws do. But you're always going to be advocating somebody's ideals of what is right and what is wrong, what is moral and what is immoral, because that's how this works. But then she has the temerity to mention Jeremiah 1.5. So I read it from the top of the show. I knew you before I formed you and placed you in your mother's womb. And then she said, it doesn't say the government's womb. It doesn't say the speaker's womb. And then a little bit later, she says this, I believe life is precious, but I reject the idea that if I embrace the sanctity of life, I must also be forced to invite the federal government in to regulate it. So here's a request. Please, someone that lives in Michigan, that's near her district, or, or maybe in D.C. and knows where her office is, that, that's listening to this right now. Can you please go to her office and inform her that murder is illegal in the United States and that the federal government regulates it? I, I must also be forced to invite the federal government in and regulate it? Yes. We regulate murder on a state level and a federal level. That already exists. So I don't know what you people in her district were thinking when you voted for, but apparently she's not the brightest tool in the shed. Okay. But now we need to go to just talk a little bit more about HR 26. Again, that's a born alive abortion survivors protection act because it was eventually voted on. There were other people that made public comments and things like that, which is fine. You know, they, they were fine, but I wanted to more so focus on what that lady was saying, but a vote was done on the 11th. The bill passed 220 to 210 with one person voting as present. That was representative of Vincente Gonzalez, a Democrat of Texas and three Republicans abstaining. Only one Democrat, one, voted in favor of a bill that would require that medical staff not sit by and watch as a newborn baby fights to stay alive, and that was Representative Henry Cooler of Texas. So credit where credit is due. Round of applause for Henry Cooler for being apparently the only person in the Democratic Party representing you know the House of Representatives that understands that this is an easy one that should be unanimously voted on and approved. Okay? So I have some questions here. After this happened, where are all the, I want to be known for what I'm for, not what I'm against people right now? Where are they at? Because I remember being, being told that we shouldn't get into things like that. That we should, you know, Jesus wouldn't have got into to this rigmarole, this, this government stuff. Where are you at right now? Where are all the Christians shouldn't involve themselves in the culture wars people right now? Where are you? You've been very, very quiet. Where are all the woke Christians? All the people that said, if I didn't post a black square during George Floyd's summer, that I was a racist. Where are those people right now? Some of the same people that had nothing to say after Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey went the way of the trash bin. Where are y'all at? 
you're constantly advocating for love and acceptance and protection of people and all these different things. What about the unborn? Where are you? Is it potentially that you're feckless cowards? That you only advocate for things when they align with your left of center worldview and then you try to sprinkle a little scripture over the top of it? Where you at? So save me the pearl clutching about evangelical Christians supporting the Republican Party in America. Save it. Because I got a reminder for you. It's the Democratic Party in America that almost unanimously will vote against forcing would-be assassins, a.k.a. abortion doctors, to try and save an infant born alive after a botched abortion. It's the Democratic Party in America that will not pass this bill in the Senate. And even if they did, the supposed leader of the Democratic Party, co-president Biden, would veto it immediately. It is the Democratic Party in America that advocates as their official party platform for abortion at any time up to the child's birth date for any reason and paid for 100% by taxpayer dollars. The Democratic Party in America is the party of death and they continue to prove it over and over again. So where are you? Left-wing Christians, woke Christians, I want to be known for what I'm for, what I'm, not what I'm against. Where are you? Do you have nothing to say about this? Your silence is deafening on this. But in all this, we need to go back to the label that Representative Hillary Shulton gave herself. Pro-choice Christian. So, as intellectually honest human beings, we must ask ourselves, is such a title possible? Would you accept a title that someone gives themselves like meat-eating vegan or pro-war pacifist or devout Muslim atheist? You know, you, you can go on and on for days. Would you accept any of those titles? Would you question some of those titles? So letting God's word be our guide, which is always a good idea, let's go to the good book to see if we can find some justification for a Christian being pro the slaughter of unborn children. Because these people, they're not all morons. I think they're morally bankrupt, but these are smart people. Certainly they would do better on the ACT and SAT than I would or some of you, let's go to Scripture and see what Scripture has to say. So let's go to Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so humans are made in the images of God. This is not a great start. Okay, Genesis 9, verses 5 and 6. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Okay, this is getting worse. Exodus twenty thirteen. you shall not murder. Okay, wish that wouldn't have been there. This really hurt my case here. Exodus twenty one twelve. whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. Okay, why why is that such a big deal if, you know, babies don't matter? Okay, let's go to let's go to the wisdom books. Okay, let's go to Proverbs 6 verses 16 through 19. See if we can get a little bit of help here. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. 
All right, this is going to be terrible. We're just going to go ahead and finish this because I'm just, gosh, these pro-choice Christians, I'm having a hard time helping you out here. Jeremiah 1, again, 4 and 5, we've, we've already heard this before. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then we have Galatians 1.15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me to his grace, and then we'll wrap it up with Psalm 139.13. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Gotta tell you guys, if you spend any time in the scriptures and you come away thinking, wait a minute, I I can be a Christian. I can do this whole Christian thing. Yeah, you know, Jesus rising on third day. Yeah, I'm all for that. Oh yeah, by the way, uh, we should definitely not protect people from murder. You can't do that. Guys, if you call yourself a pro-choice Christian, only one of two things can be true. Either number one, you are so gullible that you have allowed the culture of death to blind you and convince you of their arguments. Or two, you're simply not a Christian. Because again, there are certain things, and this is where people get into the argument about, oh, well, we just have disagreements, and it goes back to the thing I said earlier. Just because someone disagrees about one thing doesn't mean you dismiss them outright. But if you come away from a situation where murder is on the table, and you go to the side of the ledger that says, yep, two thumbs up, I'm fine with that, then you don't understand the Christian worldview. So much so that it is evidence that you are not a Christian yourself. Because, again, I believe that you could potentially, I guess, be a Christian and then just be constantly fed these talking points by people that are anti the things of God, and you just buy them hook, line, and sinker. You know, perhaps you learned it in a woke church or or a leftist church or a progressive church that's like, yeah, we want to be known for love and lilies and all this other stuff. And we don't want to talk about abortion. And now that the church isn't helping you form your opinions on this and give you, you know, a Judeo-Christian ethic as it pertains to that. So then you're going to go to culture and culture is obviously going to tell you one thing and only make one argument. But I would say for the majority of these people, they've completely deceived themselves. They, they actually think that they're a Christian, but then this also gets back to, there are people that think they are a Christian because they believe in a God. Yeah, I believe in God. And then you hear a lot of people that will thank God when they get an award or things like that. These are people that don't really like to mention Jesus. A Jesus guy is a little weird. He turned over tables and, you know, saved people and, you know, brought, you know, dead people and made them alive again. And then he did that whole dying on the cross thing. And then he like came back three days later and hung out with a bunch of people. Yeah, I don't really know how to deal with that. So I'm just going to I'm just going to talk about God. Yeah, I believe in God. And then that just makes them a Christian somehow, a follower of Christ somehow. So, to be clear, if there are people in your life that align with what that representative from Michigan Michigan says that they are a pro-choice Christian, whatever they say after that, you can assume is nonsense. And I think it is incumbent upon you as a Christian to point out their folly. Because, again, I'm reminded of Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Because what this woman is advocating for, she's advocating for the slaughter of unborn infants and then the murder of infants even after they're born, outside of the mother's womb, and she's basing it on her Christian morality, supposed Christian morality. She's saying that this is a good thing. And, you know, she, she looks like a mom, she's got her glasses, and she says it in a sweet voice, and then people are going to buy it. And so, yes, as I said, you know, on a podcast earlier this year, you should be known for what you are for and what you are against. If somebody in your life is talking in this way, it is incumbent upon you to sit them down and explain to them why they are wrong, not why you disagree, because this is not a matter of opinion. 
This isn't, well, I think Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player ever. Well, I think LeBron James is the greatest basketball player ever. That's probably not worth sitting down and having a conversation over because it's one person's opinion versus another person's opinion. Opinion does not come into this at all. It's either true that we need to protect unborn human beings because they are made in the image of God and are worthy of our protection, or it's not. They're not. They're simply not humans that are worthy of protection. There is no difference in of opinion. There's only one side being right and one side being wrong. So again, just to wrap this up, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Isaiah 5.20. If you guys are listening to this, you are equipped and I'm helping you be equipped to be able to push back against that darkness. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So again, just a reminder, go to the Origin website. It is here in the show notes to check out the full line of Origin and Jocko Fuel products. That is geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, hunting gear, all that kind of stuff. Use the promo code Undaunted to get 10% off your order. So in the show notes, I've got a link to our donation page. Guys, we just love you guys that are donating and helping us do what we need to do. But then I've got links to the HR 26 Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. You can actually Read the bill at congress.gov. Also, uh, I got the link to the video where Representative Hillary Shelton addressed Congress. And then also I have the official congressional tally for the vote on H.R. 26. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah <laughs>